Thank you, choir. Beautiful song and well done. Taken right out of the scripture, God's word in music. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at a passage that many of you, if you've been in uh, the church and Baptist work very long and been a part of a Baptist church, you've heard sermons from this passage. Passage that gives us direction and purpose. A body of believers standing on a foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his blood shed for the atonement and forgiveness of our sins. And then the Great Commission where Jesus says to his followers, I want you to go into all the world with the gospel message. Go to every nation. Don't leave any out. Take the message. I know from time to time we hear stories on the television and news comes our way of ministers and missionaries being arrested or being persecuted in some foreign land. And the first question that we have in our mind is, why are they there? It's a hostile country. It's a country that doesn't take well to the gospel message of being preached and having outsiders come in with a view of the Christian faith. Why are they there? Why don't they just stay home? Why don't they tend to the business of being at home? Because there is a commission that we cannot deny written in the scripture. And Jesus came to his disciples, as it is written, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age." A commandment, not a suggestion, not as something that maybe if your church is doing real well and your community is in a wholesome environment and then everything is working right in your state or in your country where you're located, then if it pleases you and all is well with your family and your family's friends and everything is well, then you might want to think about uh, taking the gospel to someone else. That's not what he says. If it is politically correct in the day and the era in which you live, or if the, the rulers of these nations agree to your conditions of coming and bringing the message, then you are to go to... That's not what he says. A commandment from God, from God... Then, then you say, wait a minute, it's Jesus speaking. That's right, God is speaking. A commandment from God, through his son Jesus Christ, to the church. You say, well, preacher, it was just to those who were gathered right there on that hillside. No, 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 no. This is God's word, and it is for us today, and all who will hear it, it belongs to us. No one excluded from this commission. You can't say, well, you know, I've never taught Sunday school, or I've never been in a choir, or I've never, never led or worked in Bible school. Shame on you if you hadn't worked in Bible school. You need to try it sometime. You need, to, you need to be at a point of where you don't know if you're coming or going. On the last day, you know, of the Bible school, I was wandering around. My wife found me, I think, aimlessly wandering in the building, and she said, it's over. They're gone. Quit looking for them. 
Wow, Bible school. A great time to be in God's house, but boy, I'm telling you, it, it's an experience, and you ought to enjoy it. I've never done any of those things, so there's no way that, I, that this commissioning that Jesus is talking about or this great commission that's written in the Scripture can be to me. And the question is, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? A time and a place and a point in your life where you yielded to the sacrifice and the atonement, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and you said, Lord, cleanse me of my sins. Save me. Redeem me. You prayed that prayer and invited Jesus to be your Savior. If that time has happened in your life, then this commissioning, this great commission is for you as it is for me. Is it easier to stay where we are comfortable? Yes. Where we are accustomed to everything being like we like it? Traditions where we can either we can be involved in this one or that one, or we can go to another church if we don't like the present one, and we can move around, or, and, and yet it is all within the rim of our comfort zone. Is that the easier way? Yes. That does not mean it's the right way. The right way is the Lord's way, is the way of Jesus. And the right way is that all Christians would be involved in this great commission, not that just a few. In truth, when we look at the world today, in its vast domain of how big the world is and how many people live in the earth, on the earth, it is true. It is a true statement that we should have reached the world for Christ years ago. The gospel message should have been preached to all people in all nations years and years ago. But it has taken us a long time, far too long. A people living in darkness, not knowing that a great light and a great hope has come, living with the burden and, of sin and the shame of sin, not knowing that there is a freedom and there is a release from sin, not knowing that there is a way to be cleansed from the stains of sin and the scars to be broken, the chains to be broken from the bondage of sin. People living in those conditions. I know sometimes we are drawn to images on, that, that come in our way through books or through television or through the computer of families and friends or, or families and people in other nations that are suffering physically. Some in war-torn war nations and uh, watching uh, a few weeks back of a, a video clip from Syria, watching as a, little, as a couple of little boys were playing in the rubble of a city. I'm talking about just rubble. You could barely recognize that it was a city street, barely to make out the images and the outlines of some of the buildings that used to stand there. And these little boys had an old soccer ball. Or at one time it was a soccer ball. Now it was just some tape and things wrapped together and it had their resistance semblance of a soccer ball and they were kicking it in that rubble what breaks my heart to know of the acres and acres and acres of green grass the beautifully manicured soccer fields that are all around us in every direction in every little town in every city across our nation where kids can go and play free from any kind of harm or any danger to see three little boys playing in the dirt and the ruin does it break our heart when we see the scenes that come from countries where individuals are starving to death, literally falling on the side of the road and nobody taking the time to even stop and pick them up and bury them. 
Those images are being betrayed before us and we see them out there. Does it break our heart? Are we moved with compassion? Do we think we need to do something? And yet, as dark as those scenes are, and as disgraceful as those scenes are in a day and a culture where we have an abundance, where we have an abundance, as disgraceful and as dark and as desperate as those scenes are, I want to tell you the spiritual condition of this world is far darker than that. The depravity of man and the darkness of the soul of man and the heart of man and the coldness and the bitterness of mankind it's more despicable than that. Pictures that we cannot imagine and don't want to imagine or don't want to have them cross our minds, the spiritual condition of a world. How are we going to make a difference? How are we going to make a difference several years ago? Let me, I mean, you know what happens when I say several years ago. It means a long time ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I was on a trip mission team to Honduras, and there was a young man by the name of Michael that went on this trip with us. He was just kind of new in our church. I had baptized him into our church, and he was there, and he was a part of the church, and he was, he was growing in his faith. And when we began talking about it, he was already 25, 26 years of age, and we started talking about going to Honduras, and he said, I want to go, and he signed up to go to Honduras. We thought it would be good, and we said, well, you know, look, Michael, you know, we know what we're going to be doing. And he said, yeah, I've heard you all talk about it, but I want to go. And so he signed up. We sat together on the airplane. I had the privilege of riding with those who were horrified of flying. They were riding, sitting next to their pastor, thinking everything was going to be all right. They didn't know how scared he was of flying. I was trying to reassure them and tell them, just don't look down. You know, just think that the ground's right there. We're just a little bit above it. And one of them opened the window and looked out. I said, don't do that. Pull the shade back down. Don't look out. We were flying along there, and Michael just he got to talking. He said, you know, I've been thinking about this, and I don't think we're going to make any difference in anybody's life. I don't think this is going to mean anything. I don't think this is even, I don't even know why we're doing this. Why are we doing this? Is it really going to help anything? Is, is, is anybody really going to be touched by what we're doing? I said, well, Michael, why don't wait and see? Don't make a judgment about what we're going to do when, when we haven't done it yet. Don't make a call on whether it's going to be important or it's going to change anybody's life until we've been there and we traveled to this uh, little village called Sarah Benite. It was out on a mountainside, the top of a mountain, almost to the top. The top was right above us, and we were really, literally, and it means, the, the word means the name of the little town was, it wasn't a town, it was just a village. It was just, you know, a couple of buildings together, so it really wasn't a town. It means beautiful clouds. And we were in that village, and, and it was a beautiful part of the world, and, and people lined up by the hundreds and the hundreds, and they walked distance, great miles and miles to come. There was no way that there were that many people. The first morning, there were over 1,100 people in line to be registered, standing in the dark, waiting to be registered. 1,100 people standing there waiting to be registered. I looked around, and I couldn't see but about six houses in the distance. Where did all these people come from? They walked through the mountains, over the mountains, around the mountains, up and down little trails. From every direction they came, we saw about 3,000 people that week. We worked hard. It was a small team. Dan Spikes was leading that team, small team. But in that week, as we began to preach the gospel under an old tent out there on the side of a hill, the whole crowd was having to stand right beside the tent. So they heard every message. At the end of that week, 200... 
somebody said, Preacher, I hadn't been hearing you on the radio. I've missed you. So, okay, we got this one going. So we were in that village, and, I mean, we carried things. We carried eyeglasses. We carried a pharmacy. We carried just kind of the things. We were a little bit smaller than the team that's going. We didn't have about 23, 24 people going, so everybody had to work hard, and it was tiring. We, we, all the men had to sleep in one room and actually spilled over onto the porch, sleeping outside. I think we had Eugene's going with us. I think he was stung by a scorpion that year, sleeping on the front porch, you know. And uh, we, were, we were out there, and, and it was tough. Michael was right in the middle of it, working as hard as anyone, carrying more than his share. He was young. He was athletic. He could move things. He could pick up and carry anything. He worked hard. We left the mountain that, uh, at the end of that mission trip, rode back into the mission team, mission home, and that night we sat down to talk about our experience. On an airplane just a few days ago, this young man said, I don't know if we're going to make any difference. I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know why we're coming down here. We started talking about the trip, and he sat there, and tears began to run down his eyes, his face. He began to cry, and he spoke with, with just a broken voice about, he said, I don't know if God did anything for those people or not, but God sure did a whole lot in my life this week. God did a great work in Michael's life, but he also did a great work in that village. Never been back to that village. I don't even know where it is on the map. Wouldn't have any idea how to go back to it at all. But God did a great work. The Great Commission is for us. And how are we going to accomplish this mission? And I'm going to try to do this quickly now because that introduction took longer than I wanted it to. There is a command given, but there is a command with a promise. I'm glad that it's not just do this, do this, do this. But God makes, gives a command to go into the world and take the gospel message and baptize those individuals. Bring them into the body of Christ. Bring them into the church and the fellowship of believers. It's what we're supposed to do. We don't walk separately down a road. Amos wrote a passage of scripture, can two walk together unless they agree? The church needs to understand and Christians need to understand that, yes, we are Christians here in Vicksburg, but we are also Christians around the world, a part of the body of Christ. We are one fellowship of believers in Jesus Christ, one cross, one crucifixion, the blood shed on Calvary for all mankind, one death, one burial, one resurrection, one salvation offered to mankind through Jesus and Jesus alone. We need to understand, can we do this together? Yes, we can do this together, but we must do it as a fellowship of believers. We must do it as a church that have agreed to walk together and to carry the burden together. We must know we must walk in a fellowship, a sweet fellowship of love and compassion, of joy, serving the Lord with gladness. Have you ever worked with someone who didn't want to work? Have you ever worked with someone who grumbled and complained all the time? I have a younger brother, and we worked in some cornfields of South Mississippi. He would work. He knew how to work. He didn't have a choice. There was a command given, and there was a promise that followed up that command. Not blessings like the Lord is going to bestow, but a promise that Daddy made to us if we did not work and did not accomplish it, and we knew that that promise and that uh, would, would come. So he would work. He grew up knowing how to work. But one of the things that he would do as we worked together is that he would grumble. 
he would just always, always, always grumble. I don't know why we're doing this today. Why don't we do this tomorrow? It could be next week. It doesn't have to be done now. I don't know why Daddy wants this stuff stacked over here by this barn. Why didn't we put it over there under that tree? It would have been closer. We wouldn't have to carry it as far. It was just all day, every day. But the work had to be done. If the church gathers together in Christian fellowship of joy and love for one another, in a fellowship understanding we're redeemed by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we are not saved of our own accord by our own knowledge, our own wisdom, our own strength, our own understanding, but by God's love and mercy we've been redeemed. And we join hands and arms together to accomplish the purpose that God has set before us then this commission can be fulfilled. If we're fragmented, if we're pushing and shoving, if we are complaining and grumbling, if we are all going and scattered in different directions, can we accomplish the purpose? No. Amos is right. We can't walk together unless we agree. So we must walk in that relationship of Jesus Christ, in the atonement and the salvation that Christ gives to accomplish his purpose. As a body of believers, we walk together, but not just as believers. As believers, we walk with God. One of those shortened lines of verses of Scripture in the Old Testament is Enoch walked with God, and he was no more, for God took him. What a great fellowship that Enoch enjoyed as he walked with God. Can you imagine his day as he started off early in the morning talking to the Lord and fellowship with the the Lord and enjoying the presence of the Lord and feeling the spirit of the Lord surrounded him. And he just continued in that day in and day out, every day, whether it rained or whether it was sunny, whether it was hot or whether it was cold, he just walked with the Lord. Whether it was day of hard labor or it was day of rest and waiting for the harvest, whatever that day would bring, he just walked every day in the fellowship of the Lord and one day he was no more for God took him you never know this week we had a church member slip from our presence into the eternal presence of God I didn't know it until yesterday DJ came to the River City Mission about two years ago. I met him for the first time at the bus station in Jackson, Mississippi. I had received a telephone call that he was coming and he needed to be at the mission. And I went over and picked him up and I asked someone, I said, I asked the guy from Tupelo that called me, I said, how will I know him? And he said, well, he's going to be a big guy and he's got on a hat with an American flag on it. I said, okay. And that's about all I can tell you about him. I said, okay. I rounded the curve there off of State Street in uh, our Capitol Street there in in Jackson down by the bus terminal. I rounded the corner and turned, and, and I looked out in front of the bus station, and there stood this very, very big guy. And he had on a hat with an American flag on it. I said, that must be him. I stopped, and I said, your name DJ? He said, yeah, are you Kent Campbell? I said, I am. And he got in my truck, and we started to Vicksburg. I had the privilege of baptizing him right here on a Sunday morning, just like we baptized this morning. You remember DJ. DJ couldn't stay awake in the worship service. I think he was trying to be a deacon or something, you know. He would come and he would sit and he would sleep. 
This week on a Monday, on Monday, he went to the hospital, and on Tuesday morning, he passed away. The rest of the week's been spent trying to locate family members to plan a funeral for this coming week. We never know when we will step from this world into that eternal world. Everything may be fine in your world today, and yet tomorrow may be the day that you go to meet the Lord God Almighty. When you stand in His presence to give an account of your life, it may be tomorrow. You see, if we're going to accomplish the Great Commission, we need to be in fellowship with one another, and we need to be going onward together, walking down this road together, hand in hand, arm in arm, to accomplish a purpose together. But we also need to be walking with the Lord, in the fellowship of the Lord, in the atonement of Jesus Christ, in the grace and mercy of the redemption, being justified by grace through faith. We need to be walking with Jesus. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I don't know if many Christians really understand that. I don't know if many church members or if all church members even grasp what it means. It means that every day we must walk in the fellowship of the faith. We cannot decide to do something else and live in a different style or fashion somewhere else at some other place to wait for a more convenient hour to serve the Lord. No, if we're in, in, that, rec in that reconciled state, being saved by grace through the atonement of Christ and justified by His grace, and looking forward to that sanctification that will come when we shall see him like he is, we need to walk with Jesus. There is a side note. If we decide we will not fulfill the Great Commission and we will not accept the promise that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, and walk with Jesus, then it is no doubt that we will walk with Satan. If we decide in our heart that we will not walk in fellowship with the church and in, in the love and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then there is no doubt that we will spend our life walking with Satan. Charles Spurgeon is great. He's a life, and his writings are just filled with quotes. I'm talking about filled. It seems like every I, – I, I, Cade told me last night as we were talking about this passage of Scripture and this message, and we were just talking on the phone together. He said, you know, Daddy, the dumbest things that Spurgeon said are greater than the smartest things I've ever said. And he's about right. Spurgeon said this, those whom we walk with here, we must live with forever. If you choose to walk with Satan in this life, you will live with him in eternity. And we know what the Bible says about his eternity. But if you will choose to walk with Jesus to fulfill his commands and be obedient to his call, you will live with him in eternity. Choose Jesus above all things. And let us together agree 
to fulfill the great commission given to all Christians. Father, we come into your presence this morning and we thank you for the blessings that you have given to us. And now as we pause in this moment of quiet contemplation, let us reflect in our hearts and our minds, where are we? Are we walking this road of life with Jesus? Are we walking in fellowship with his body, the church? Are we enjoying the presence and the fellowship of fellow believers? Are we loving and caring for one another? Are we fulfilling your purpose? Father, I pray that there would be none that would hear my voice this morning who would turn away and choose to walk in the darkness and the despair and the hopelessness of this life, but rather would choose to walk with Jesus. Father, let us walk together as we go to all the nations with the gospel. Thank you. Use this time now and this closing invitation to the honor and glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.